Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. You know, since the beginning of this year, we began the sermon series, and my purpose was, because I don't believe in New Year's resolution, but I want you to have a good year. And so my purpose was, I want you to have a good year, and I want you to know what God has in store for you. God's plan to bless you and not to harm you. God's plan to give you life abundantly. And we have looked at scripture that talked about God's promises, right? And if we come into agreement with God, uh, his will, his plans for us, then we'll be partnering with what he has in store. And that's what we've been talking about. It's, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And that was shalom. I know the plans of shalom for you. Plans to bless you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. And Jesus says, I've come to give you life abundantly. And we've talked about how that abundance, that abundantly is beyond your expectation. Beyond what you thought you deserved. Or even what you thought God wanted to give you. And so, that is everything that we as a children of God, to the Father to come into agreement, to know his plans of blessing for us. But as children, we don't always do what the parents tell us. We don't always do the right thing. Meaning, and I've said this many times, if I just listened to my mother, <laughs> my life would have been so much better, so much easier. It would have saved me from so much headache. But it is the choices that God has given us, the free will, that allowed us to either partner with the Father in heaven or partner with something else. And we reap what we sow. It's not always good what we sow. Um, and when that happens, we sometimes settle for what we get. I say settle because when, it's, when what you get is less than what God has in store for you, that's settling. Right? The less than perfection, less than the best is settling. And so I, I want to say that, you know, I, I started this. Uh, sermon series to say, I, I want to see you guys blessed. I, as, a, as your shepherd, as your pastor, I want to give you the words that encourages to empower you to, to live your best life. But at the same time, let us recognize that maybe we've been settling, right, in some of the choices that we have been making. And how God blesses his people is not always directly from God to you. Sometimes God, and a lot of times, God blesses those around us to bless us. You guys know that? So we're continuing in the series where my objective as your pastor is to lead you to the shalom life of blessings. And I want you to, I want to remind you that God uses his bride, the church, to be a blessing to you. So tonight, I want to bring your attention to the power of unity. 
the power of unity. Why there is such power? How much power is in unity? Where does that unity come from? And why is it so imperative for your life, my life, our life together as a church? That, that's what I want to get at tonight. To look at the subject of the power of unity, where it comes from, and why it's so imperative. Okay? Uh, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 11. We're going to look at the, the, remember the story of the Tower of Babel? I'm going to have it for you. I'll have the ESV version. But it's always good to look through your own scripture to make your own notes. But here's the word of the Lord. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as the people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks. Let make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they made bricks for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top. In the heavens, let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So here's the backdrop. You remember the Noah's flood, right? You had Noah, water, wipe out everything. And the only survivors of the whole earth were Noah and his descendants, his sons. Now, after Noah's flood from Genesis 10, we're leading into Genesis 11, you have nations being formed from Noah's lineage. Now, I don't know the time span from Genesis 10 to 11, but we know that nations have been formed. That's like procreation generations after generations. Timeline, I don't know. But we get to a group of people where they arrive at the land of Shinar, and they come up with a plan. And their plan was this. Let us build ourselves a city with tower that reaches to the heaven and let us make a name for ourselves. Okay, that's the plan. And now we know, if you know the story of the Tower of Babel, you know that it was through this encounter that everybody had the same language, but God came, dispersed them with division, with different languages and different people group after this. But I want us to recognize that the sin of this group of people was not about building a tower. Okay, because otherwise you got the architects today with the technology reaching, you know, especially Singapore. Oh, you sinners, you got the tallest building in the world. No, that's not the problem. The problem with this group was that they said, let us build ourselves a city that reaches to the heaven and let us make a name for ourselves. Okay, this, the, the word name in Hebrew there is Shem, which is often translated name. Let us make a name. That makes sense. But the word that Shem can be also translated fame. Let us be famous. Let us make fame for ourselves, okay, that everybody sees that we built a city that is taller, greater, bigger than everyone else. Its plan is rooted in pride. Its plan is making an identity apart from God. Before, and this was with Noah, God's plan is you are made in my image. I am your identity. I am your king. I am your provider. I am your father. It is the holistic oneness with a family. With one family, with Noah and his descendants, God saved and had a plan. It was a new covenant promise. And then his descendants eventually come to a place where 
they are leading entire nation to be apart from God. You see, that's the plan. And that in itself, it's one thing when you are doing something apart and away from God. But it's another when you lead an entire nation to, lead, to go away from God. You see that problem? That's what happened. So God comes down and sees what happened. And this is what he said in verse 6. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people. They have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing they propose would, will now be impossible for them. Here's God's observation. They are one people. They're united. Nothing they do, nothing they propose to do, nothing they endeavor to do will be impossible. Why? Because they're one. They're united. Because God knew there is power in unity. There is power in unity. Because there was power in unity and their unity was to be away from God, apart from God, God dispersed them with different languages. He broke up that unity with different languages and immediately they dispersed. Okay, so that was then, okay, that was the ancient story. But where does unity come from? I... I brought that to your attention to recognize even God recognized there was great power in unity that when the people gathered and there was one people there was nothing that they could not do. In order to stop that, he dispersed them. But true unity from the scripture do you know where it comes from? Holy Spirit. She, she knows the Bible. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives true unity. Do you guys, First um, Corinthians chapter twelve through fourteen, and you know the this text because as soon as you start reading First Corinthians chapter twelve and following, it's talking about the spiritual gifts, and that's the text that often comes up regarding spiritual gifts. Then chapter 13 is about love. Uh, love is patient. And then chapter 14 wraps it all up. But really, 12 through 14 is really talking about the same subject. He just continues on with many illustrations and, and examples, but it's the same subject. But I want to bring to your attention, because if you ever thought that chapter 12 through 14 is about spiritual gifts, you're wrong. I will explain what I'm saying. Let me read. 12.1, 1 Corinthians chapter 12.1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. In all your Bible translations that you have, whether you read the ESV, NIV, King James, and many other versions of your translations, starts off saying, now concerning spiritual gifts. Okay? In fact, I have three examples there. ESV says now concerning spiritual gifts. NIV says now about spiritual gifts. King James says now concerning spiritual gifts. Now you think all three versions have talks about spiritual gifts. You would think it's about spiritual gifts. The gifts are not there in the original Greek. It, it can read 
now regarding the spiritual. But often when we read spiritual, that looks like an adjective. It, it seems incomplete. So the, it often it starts with the King James. King James kind of began with the English translation, and the other translations kind of took the tradition and kind of got inspired by it. Well, I'm telling you, the, the Passion Trashit, Translation, which often is a very dynamically translated, or like they, they paraphrase the idea, but they got this the most accurately. Let me read that for you. In this first verse, my fellow believers, I don't want you to be confused about spiritual realities. This is the most accurate idea of what Paul was saying, because what he was talking about now regarding the spiritual. Okay, that's actually the, the most accurate trend. Now I'm going to talk to you about the spiritual. And in fact, there is an article, the spiritual in the Greek. They just, the translators did what they did. Thinking that they're making, because in context of the examples after it, it's talking about spiritual gifts. So they thought it was about spiritual gifts. But it's, he's talking about spiritual realities. Then he, the Apostle Paul goes further talking about what it is about the spiritual examples, he gives many examples, but then he's talking about true unity. I'll bring that up for you. Okay. First uh, Corinthians 12, 12, 4, 3, 7. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Okay. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Leave that up there. Okay? I want you to get this. He lists off many examples of spiritual gifts, but it's the one Spirit. Many activities, many services, but it's the same God who empowers, who gives over everything. You guys see that? That's what he's talking about. He is saying, all these look different to you, but it's the same God. The common denominator, all of this, is God and his Holy Spirit. Then he talks about, not just about different service, different gifting, but he's talking about different people and their different functions. As if, and this is where we get to the body of Christ being many members the hand cannot say to the, this is where we, that, those examples come from. He, and he says, oh, let me, I'm jumping the gun here. Verse 11 says, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportion to each one individually as he will. So, again, this is one God, one Holy Spirit who empowered all of these things. That's the common denominator. And then he talks about the many gifts, many different people. He gets into verse 13. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink one spirit. So, you know, I'm looking at this room. We have a pretty diverse room. We got whites, we got Latinos, and the Asians, and Jamaican, right? This is, it's beautiful. In that diversity, there is beauty. And we come together for one purpose, and that is in Jesus Christ. That's what brings us together as one. Not our different cultures or different languages. Or it, it, in fact, we're all coming together. That which separated in the world, 
we're coming together because of Jesus. That's the one common goal. And so that's what Paul is talking about. And then, he's, uh, then he gets into the many different examples, like if the foot should say, hey, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Meaning, it doesn't matter how you feel or what you think of yourself. And saying, hey, I'm not part. It doesn't matter what you think. The truth is, you are part of the body. Okay? And then he gets into other examples about the unity of the body. I'm paraphrasing. I'm, I'm moving on from chapter to chapter. There's a lot to cover. But, I, but you guys know this text, and I'm paraphrasing. He talks about the unity. In verse 21, it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor can the head's head said to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the part of the body that seems to be weaker are indispensable, meaning every person, every part, every member of the body, metaphor for every person, right, member of the body, is indispensable. We're all needed. We can never say we are divided and I don't need you. The point of chapter 12 and following is about unity because of the Holy Spirit. Jews, Greeks, Gentiles, color, ethnicity, it doesn't matter what your background is. When you come and you drink of the Holy Spirit, we are one through the one blood in Jesus Christ. So unity comes from the Holy Spirit. And he has given us the one identity. As a children of God, sons and daughters, heirs and co-heirs with Christ. He has given us a brand new identity in who we are in him. So everything that we come from background, our different diversity, they're beautiful, but that does not give us the true identity if we come back to the one big identity, and that is in Jesus. And I'm saying... And then Paul is saying, there is power in unity. You were once separate and weaker. So we're coming back. Remember, uh, I've said the curse is reversed. I said the curse is Jesus paid the curse and removed all those things. So the consequence of all these things in the Genesis, we come back. And when Jesus came, he reversed all of these things. The sin that divided, that weakened, and people were dispersed, now they're coming back from all nations, coming back together as one because of one God. Isn't that beautiful? So everything that happened in Genesis as a curse example, we're coming back with Jesus, and it's completely now reversed. He's bringing unity through the Son. And the strength and power comes from unity So we must come in unity with God. And we talked about partnership with God in the past weeks. We come into unity, oneness with God. And it's coming into agreement with heavens. It's coming into agreement with God, our Father, His Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when we say yes to Him and come into complete agreement with Him, we get His power. The problem we face is that we say yes to God, we come into agreement with God, but we can't come into agreement with one another. 
And I, and I, I want to point out the hypocrisy in that statement. We say we love Jesus. We say we love God. And we're coming into agreement with whatever he says in the Bible and all of that. And that's good. I, we need to. But how can we come into agreement with, we say him, when we came in, can't come into agreement with one another because he says, love one another. He says, forgive one another. He says, you're members of the same body. And yet we're saying, I don't need you. I don't need you, I. I'll cut you out. And we settle for less than the best of what God has planned for us. You guys see this picture? So here's God's plans to bless you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. And we settle for less than the best because we have compromised his fullness of the unity and the power that he has in store for us, and we can't come into agreement. One cannot say, I love Jesus, but I hate my brother. I can tell you that's from the flesh, not the spirit. The same Holy Spirit who gave us the gifts of the spirit of tongues, prophecies, knowledge, the same spirit gave us love. So chapter 12 talks about the many varieties and the diversities and members, right, in all one spirit that he gets into love in chapter 13. And he says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Said another way, so what if you can prophesy if you have no love? So what if you have the word of knowledge? So what if you give millions to the church? Whatever it is, if you have no love, it is all meaningless. So it doesn't matter what manifestation, what gifts, what we take pride in. It Without love, all these things are meaningless. Also, it means... Whether you come to church faithfully, no matter how you serve faithfully. And I believe me, I, I appreciate all of you guys who serve so faithfully and you come and so committed. But without love, it's meaningless. You know, I, you know, I love 1 Corinthians 13 on the subject of love. Any of you guys memorize this whole entire chapter? There are many people who have memorized the entire love is patient, love is kind, love, right? But why is it that we only hear about this text in weddings. Right? It should be read and reminded us regularly. Because at the very core of who we are as a body of Christ, as a church, love is everything. Believe me, my wife reminds me, honey, love is patient, love is kind. And I say, but I'm Korean. We have no patience. <laughs> but God can overcome my Koreanness, you know? 
It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Paul concludes the teaching on the spiritual gifts, saying the greatest of these is love. And the church cannot be church without love. The church cannot be church without unity. And the church will be ineffective without unity. So why am I saying all of this? We are one year young. February 21st, we just celebrated our one year. And in that time, we ordained my wife, Pastora, <laughs> Sarah Sue. <laughs> we love her. She, worked, she serves faithfully for you guys, calling you guys, doing everything she can to help me. And everything that we do is not enough for you. I can tell you, everything we do, there's always more work to be done. I am grateful for every one of you who step up and help us and partner with us to make this work. But as a new church, there are a lot of rooms to grow. And I recognize that. Gosh, I have a lot of room to grow. As a pastor, even though I am weak in many areas, my heart and intention is for you guys to grow and be blessed. Receive everything that God desires to release onto you. I, that's what I want. That's my intent. Uh, how that gets executed, how it gets de delivered, you know, it will fall through. The, some things will fall through the cracks, and I know that. And I have seen where situations happen as naturally as conversations happen. Some things happen intentionally. Some things happen unintentionally. And whether some things are said intentionally where you seek a particular outcome to happen, if you say this or act on this, you expect something to happen. Or some things happen unintentionally where we don't think about what we're saying. We say it, and we don't know how people interpret what gets interpreted. You guys know what I'm talking about? This is just nature of life. This is just nature of how communications happen. Misinterpretation, miscommunications, um, confusions. You expect people to behave a certain way or be something, and when that, that doesn't happen, you get disappointed. These are in and out of church. This is the world that we live in. It happens. And I'm just saying... You know, up until this year, this, what I have seen this, the resting place be is worshipers, and we love Jesus. And, and after this year, we're growing in such a way where now we want to experiment and, and do different areas of ministry. And, and I see a lot of different expectations from you members. These are different expectations because we were in infant stage. Everybody wasn't just in waiting of what we're going into. Then I, now I see different expectations that's so different, diverse. There's beauty in diversity. 
But at the same time, there can be a lot more confusion if not communicated well. You guys with me? Okay. And this is not to say anyone did anything wrong. I'm just pointing out an observation. I love you guys. I'm just saying this is what I have seen. And we all, and I know this is, we all know common knowledge, division is toxic. Nobody intentionally desires division in the church unless they're evil. Unless they're sons of the devil. Do they really intentionally want to kick out a member or a pastor? I've seen some evil in churches like that. I'm, I'm But knowing all of you guys, I know that's none of our hearts. But there's this feeling of division that's starting to arise. And I feel like it's happening from unintended words that's been spoken out. I bring that up to say, unless we're discerning of what we hear and discerning of what we feel, Filter it before we respond to it. Because I'll be the first one to say I sometimes react. And when I react, like impatience at a store or when somebody cuts me off, I react. I'm not proud of it. I'm just saying I react and it's not always Christ-like. It's not always love-filled. It's a reaction and if somebody were to see me react in some, some way in the car, they might say, you're a pastor? I, I, they could. They could. I'm just saying not everything that I am is perfect. I'd be the first one to say. I occasionally fail. Very rarely, but I, I do. I'm kidding. I'm just pointing out that let us be more mindful of what we hear. If we hear somebody speaking negative out of their reaction, which happens, sometimes out of the overflow of our hearts, we just speak. And it happens. That's Everybody needs to have those moments of venting. Don't get me wrong. Okay, you have your friends and you vent out. But sometimes in a church context, we have to be careful because the words that is released is heard, and it's like a domino effect. Something's slightly nudged, unintended, or breathed on, or even looked upon wrongly. It only takes a minute where the domino falls and everything else falls after. And there's an effect, a cause and effect that happens. When we planted this church, I can tell you that we had, you know, our mission, and you know this, lost, found, found free for peace to reign. That is our mission. It is the evangelical for the lost who do not know Jesus to be found. For the found, people who know Jesus to experience freedom in the Holy Spirit. And believe me, I, I've been in churches that's not free. 
So that's one of our core missions here, for you to be free. I'm not saying we all should worship in some way or some act or everybody to raise hand or not to. I'm not saying any of that. But you are free to worship in the expression of who you are, out of overflow of your heart. And for a peace to reign, and that peace is shalom that we talked about from the scripture. And that is where there is brokenness, God desires wholeness. And there's a lot of room for our city where there's still brokenness, meaning we are called into that place of brokenness to bring the peace of Jesus. The restorations and the wholeness and the blessings that he has in store. That's our mission. And, and then we, we have this core value. Uh, and, but before I come, come into this, I want to say that we planted three campuses in three years in the middle of a pandemic. I, I just hear me out here. The Tampa campus was planted just a little over three years ago, and it exploded in growth, and then COVID happened. And then it was like, they didn't know, you know, they were sort of in between, like, do we open and close? And they were just trying to be obedient. The, the leadership was just being in obedience to God of what they were do doing. And many leaders did not want to be leaders. It was just a call. God called them, and they stepped up. And, and you know, uh, Pastor Caleb is going to be here next week. He's going to be leading us in the word. And we have decided that whenever Caleb is here, he's going to offer Fresh Start. And Fresh Start is just... Um, sharing of how this church came to be. So anybody who want to know more about who we are as a resting place and uh, want to ask questions and know our vision and, 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 you know, where we're going, that's a great opportunity. And I, I welcome you guys to save your questions and ask him because he will answer it for you, okay? I, I, but we used to do that in the video format, and we decided, you know what, we want to do this personally. But so he planted the first church. Then the second year, yeah, the, the South Tampa, then we were the third campus in the third year. And God's just been moving. And along the way, within the first year, the executive team, the pastoral team, we have changed how we meet as pastors, like multiple times layers. Meaning we're constantly growing. We're trying to figure things out as we are growing together. We're only three years young, three years old, and we're figuring it out. And we're being obedient, and God's adding to our numbers, and God's blessing us. But we figure this out. Every campus is very different. You know, you've, you guys met Pastor Abraham in the South Tampa. Anointed, but very different from my personality. I want to be like him, and he, maybe he doesn't want to be like me. But, you know, we love one another. We're very different. Caleb, man, he just has a lot more hair than all of us put together. But it, there is such diversity in all these things. But we said, what makes the resting place the resting place? And we say, it is our mission, lost, found, found, free, peace, reign. And it's our core value. And that core value is we honor everyone, we empower everyone, we have faith for everybody. And if you want to know more about that, go on our website. There's a lot more in-depth explanations about that or, you know, Listen to Caleb explain this next week. But I bring all this up to say, if you call the resting place your church, this is our, who we are. We have to come into agreement in this mission 
and these values. Lost, found, found free, peace, reign. We honor everyone. We empower everyone. We have faith for everybody. If we can't come into agreement on that, then probably this isn't your church. Because this is at the very core of who we are. So if we hear something and it's not honoring, then we have to put a stop to it. If some people come into our midst and we can't have faith for everybody, then that needs to be changed. And we invite people and we empower you so that you can grow in faith of who God has called you to be. And that means we have a lot of room to grow. If you're not serving, you're wondering, how can, where do I fit? Well, where is God empowering you? We want to partner with you. We want to encourage you, train you, teach you, walk hand in hand with you. That's who we are. Are we everything? No, we don't even have Starbucks in the lobby. Come on. We were talking about good coffee machines. One day, one day we'll have good coffee machine in the front lobby. You don't need it. I need it. I'm just saying. There is beauty in diversity. I love you guys. You guys understand what I'm talking about? There is power in unity. And we are spirit-filled. That means we are united by his Holy Spirit. That we are empowered by that. How this second year looks will be determined by how united we are. That's the word. So will you stand together with me and walk with me, united in faith of our mission and our values. Amen? We all stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.